uh, in your Bibles, if you're using the Pew Bible, to page 839 in the Gospel of Mark. We'll be reading from Mark chapter 4, uh, the first uh, 20 uh, verses as we continue our way through this uh, glorious uh, gospel. The first uh, three chapters of the Gospel of Mark, of course, introduced us to uh, to John the Baptist and Jesus, and then quite quickly uh, we moved into the wonderful works of the Lord Jesus, whether it's in the synagogue or surrounded by crowds or in the house of Peter, the uh, soon-to-be apostle. Uh, and so we've kind of come through a whirlwind of uh, Jesus' uh, active healing ministry. Uh, chapter 4 is a little different. Chapter 4 moves us to a bit of the teaching of Jesus uh, as he is uh, ministering uh, to the, the people. And specifically, Mark 4 introduces us to some of the, uh, the parables uh, of Jesus. And so we begin uh, this morning, Mark 4, uh, verses 1 through 20. Uh, this is the living, uh, abiding word of God. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, that's the Sea of Galilee, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat, sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables, and he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, did you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. They have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word. And accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. This is the word of God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, how we need your help. How we need the work of your Holy Spirit, both for the one who preaches and for all of us who, who need to hear. So help us, we pray today, to hear 
what the Spirit is saying to the church. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, a story appeared in the Reader's Digest many years ago of a father uh, who was quite frustrated with his attempt to be involved with his son's soccer team. And this man wrote in the Reader's Digest, For the second week in a row, my son and I were the only ones who showed up for his soccer team's practice. Frustrated, I told him, that is, he told his son, Please tell your coach that we keep coming for practice, but no one is ever here. And my son, he writes, rolled his eyes and said, he'll just tell me the same thing he did before. Which was, said the father, well, said the son, that practice is now on Wednesdays, not Tuesdays. You see, the son had heard it from the coach, (laughs) but he didn't really hear it. And he certainly didn't act on it, you see. And who knows... How long that father and son would carry on the same pattern of life unless the word had sunk in. Well, the message of the gospel in the gospel of Mark has not sunk in or we would expect if you've been following along in this series of sermons on the gospel of Mark. Hasn't really sunk in where you'd expect for, for instance, the, uh, the religious leaders of the day who knew a lot about the Old Testament, who knew a lot about the promises of the coming Messiah and the coming king, didn't sink in there. In fact, they, uh, when they see Jesus and his work, they accuse him of being in league with the evil one. Didn't sink in there. Didn't sink in with his family either. You might remember the, the last story in the last chapter where his family hear that crowds are gathering around Jesus and they come and try to find him. They want to take him home because the Bible says they think he is in, insane. Didn't sink in to his family members either. But then on the other hand, uh, there's been crowds coming to Jesus and, and the word does seem to be sinking in to the sick, to the diseased. Uh, to the demon uh, possessed and his chosen apostles who are fishermen, tax collector, a zealot, and one, well, Jesus knew would betray him. He also came to be an apostle. Well, Mark 4 uh, is the parable of the sower who went out to sow his seed. And later in this passage, in verse 14, uh, Jesus clearly tells us uh, that that seed is uh, the word. And Matthew calls it the, uh, the word of the kingdom. So this message from Mark 4 is all about hearing and receiving and bearing the fruit of the word of the kingdom. We know that this is what this word is all about because it's what Jesus came to preach. In Mark 1.14, we read, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand Uh, Repent and believe in the gospel. And so Jesus came proclaiming the word of the kingdom. Jesus alludes to the fact that this word is all about the kingdom in the middle of this passage. When he said to his disciples, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. So this word uh, that is proclaimed is all about the kingdom and how we hear it. Now, often we are taught in the scripture, you might know how to speak the message to others. We are called to bring the gospel to others, of course, and proclaim and herald the gospel. But this is a message from scripture about how to listen 
to the gospel ourselves. This is a message about hearing the word uh, of the kingdom. And what we have found in the Gospel of Mark so far is that when God's kingdom comes in the person of Jesus, uh, at least two amazing things happen. Uh, The word of the king comes with authority and power uh, and compassion. And people are set free from bondage and sin and slavery to sin and its guilt and its power. The king comes to set people free and he comes with authority and power. That's what happens when the word of the kingdom comes in the person of the king. Uh, Which leads us to consider then over these next few weeks some of the parables of the kingdom. We know that this is Jesus' concern here because... Uh, Verse 26, for instance, later in this chapter, and he said, the kingdom of God, as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Then verse 30, he'll say, and he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? And then verse 33, with many such parables, uh, he spoke the word to them uh, as they were able uh, to hear it. So here comes a series of a series of uh, teaching sessions by the Lord Jesus, uh, all about uh, the word of the kingdom of God. Of God, And the first, very first parable is this parable of the sower sowing seed and the four places upon which this seed falls. And what we're going to find out is this, that this parable is about hearing the word of the kingdom and yet not hearing. It's about seeing and yet not seeing. It's about those who think they have heard but have not heard. And so it's all about how to receive, accept that authoritative and powerful word of the kingdom so that we might bear much fruit. That the kingdom might bear uh, uh, much fruit in our lives. And that the reign and rule of King Jesus, Savior, Lord, would sink deep within. Verse 13 says this, And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? So this parable that we're looking at this morning, this is, this is a very key parable because Jesus says to the disciples, listen, if you don't get this, you're not going to understand the rest. You need to understand what this is all about. Now, parables, you know, are short stories, sayings of Jesus that take something often from our earthly life and experience that teaches a spiritual truth. But it's not just a spiritual truth, it's a spiritual truth about the kingdom of God. Don't think about Jesus' parables as just stories like Aesop's fables uh, or something you might read in Confucius or something like that. Jesus is not just giving moral wisdom. He's telling parables that have something to do uh, with the kingdom of God, have something to do with the reign and rule of Jesus Christ as the king. That's what these parables, these stories are all about. And so here he speaks of uh, uh, sowing seed. He's going to speak about uh, seed growing mysteriously in the ground. He's going to speak about a mustard seed growing into a large tree. In Matthew 13, uh, there's other parables of pearls and nets and trees and treasure and tares and wheat. All sorts of parables about the realities of the kingdom of God. But now here in this first parable in Mark 4, we have Jesus himself in a wonderful way interpreting this parable for us. You would have noticed that in the parables in verses 1 through 8. Uh, And then uh, Jesus explains the parable in verses 14 through 20. Now, this is a very this is a very special grace. So don't miss this. This is a special grace where Jesus himself 
gives a parable, but then explains to us exactly what everything in that parable is meant to mean. I don't know if you've ever been reading the Bible, maybe reading a difficult passage of the Bible and thought to yourself, if I just had someone, if I just had someone here to explain this to me. Uh, Jesus did that for his disciples. Verse 34 of this chapter will say he did not to speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. So Jesus does for his his disciples. He he explains Everything, of course, today uh, in parables, we don't have Jesus himself giving us his interpretation here in the scripture, but we do have the Holy Spirit to help us with all the other parables understand what God is saying to us. But Jesus is here by the Sea of Galilee. The crowd is so large, the Bible says he has to get into a boat, move off from the land, and the whole crowd is, is gathered there on the land, and Jesus is in a boat. And the parable Begins. Listen, says Jesus. Behold, a sower went out to sow. Uh, and then, uh, later in verse 14, Jesus will interpret that. The sower sows the word. And then we'll follow four specific responses of different ways that that word is heard or received. And we know it's about hearing. Uh, because in all four instances, uh, Jesus will speak about those who, who heard, right? Verse 16, when they hear uh, the word. Uh, verse, uh, verse 18, uh, they are those who hear the word. Uh, verse 20, the ones who hear uh, the word. Uh, back in verse 15, when they hear. So this is a parable all about uh, sowing and hearing the word of God. Now, first of all, we find Jesus placing us in this agricultural setting. Uh, It's, of course, the same kind of agricultural imagery that is used elsewhere in the Bible when it comes to the Word of God. In 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul uses this imagery to describe the ministry of God's servants, where the Apostle Paul will say, I planted, Apollos watered, um, but God gave the growth. The Apostle Peter will use this language in 1 Peter 1. Since you've been born again, not of, imper- not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God, and this is the Word, says Peter, which was preached to you. And so this imagery is, is throughout the Scripture, this idea of the Word of God being seed uh, that is sown. And here it is the Word of the Kingdom. It is the word of the kingdom. It is the word of of Jesus Christ and his rule and his authority. Now, this is really interesting because as Jesus speaks to his disciples in verse 11, he's telling them that this parable about the word being sown uh, really could be summed up in these words. He says to you, verse 11, has been given the secret uh, of the kingdom of God. That's really interesting. Jesus could have said to his disciples uh, any, any number of things. He could have said to you has been given the secret of forgiveness. He could have said to you has been given the secret of peace. He could have said to you has been given the secret of love. To you has been given the secret of justification. To you has been given the secret of sanctification. Uh, But instead, he says to you has been given the secret of the kingdom. This is the word that has come and been revealed to you. Now, why? Well, because it's all about this word is all about King Jesus. And it's all about his reign 
And it's all about his rule. We can think about the word of God in one sense as the, as the constitution of the kingdom. The Bible is the charter of the kingdom. It's the founding document of the kingdom. Citizens swear allegiance to this word. They uphold this word. This is the word that is sown in them so that the fruit of the kingdom, the fruit of the reign and rule of Jesus uh, is seen in their life. But this is the word. This is the constitution. Uh, this is what lays at the heart uh, of every child of God. And this is the word that is, that is, that is sown. Uh, this is the word uh, that is planted. Uh, but it's also very much this parable, of course, about how that word that is sown uh, is heard. But this, first of all, as we get to explain these four different places where the soil uh, or where the seed falls. First of all, this, that there is a calling in the scripture upon you and upon me uh, to hear the word of the kingdom. This message of Mark 4 in this passage is not about taking care how you preach, taking care how you talk, or taking care how you sow. That is, you know, make sure you sow in good soil. That's not what this parable is about. This parable is about taking care how you hear. For instance, uh, in the Old Testament, uh, King David hears a parable. Remember, Samuel comes to him in, uh, in 2 Samuel 12, verses 1 through 6. And uh, the prophet Nathan comes to David after his sin with Bathsheba and his murder of Uriah. And he comes with him, to him with a parable about a rich man who has a guest coming over for dinner. And instead of using one of his many lambs to prepare for a meal for his guest, he robs his poor neighbor of his one treasured lamb uh, and serves it up for his guest. And David's listening to this parable and he gets it and he says, that's wicked. That man should be put to death and, uh, and have terrible things done to him. But what David really needed was the, was the prophetic word of Nathan speaking into his heart as he heard this parable that it wasn't actually about someone else. It was about him. You are the man, you see. So a parable comes to King David. He, he kind of gets it, but he doesn't really get it. Until the Holy Spirit through the prophet Nathan says, I'm talking about you. You are this man. And so, we need to take care, says Jesus, how we hear. Four pairs of ears in this parable. Three of them do not really hear the word of the kingdom, but all four hear the word of the kingdom, at least superficially. And all four, this is important, all four receive the same seed. Think about it this way, verse 14, Jesus says, the sower simply sows the word. But there's four different pairs of ears and there's four kinds of responses. Think about it this way. Four different people can come to faith church any given Sunday. But their responses to the word of God can be completely different. Isn't that true? Maybe you've had that after a service and someone comes up to you and say, Oh, yeah, I was really blessed by that message. And uh, yeah, that really hit home to me. And you say to them, well, I was sleeping. I didn't, I didn't get anything out of that. Or, uh, you know, on the other hand, you'll go and say, oh, that was the worst message I ever heard. And someone will say, boy, that, that really blessed me. Did it bless you? And you say, well, what's going on? How can that be? It was the same, same sermon, same message. 
You can have all sorts of different people come, but the response to that word, how they hear, will be different. Sometimes people say that the day of preaching is over because it's not an effective way of changing people. Sowing the seed, sowing the word, just doesn't get the job done. We need to sow raffle tickets. We need to sow bingo cards. We need to sow turkey dinners. We need to sow movie clips. Uh, we need to sow my testimony. Or we need to sow uh, the latest news stories off the latest feed or something else. But the seed of the word is not very effective. Well, if you look at the parable of the sower, the problem of different responses is not a problem with the seed. Mm-mm. It's not the method of communication that's the problem. The sowing. Mm-mm. It's not the sowing that should be replaced by maybe... You know, maybe we should rocket launch the seed. Or maybe we should sit on the seed. Or maybe we should add some hot sauce to the seed. Make it a little more spicy. No, the word does not change. The seed does not change from ear to ear, nor will it change from year to year. And it still needs to be sown. That is, scattered uh, abroad. That's what happens. The seed is sown. There's a wonderful uh, uh, confession from our Dutch Reformed brothers called the Canons of Dort. Hopefully you're familiar with it. In, in that confession from the early 17th century, they speak in those canons about the, uh, well, it's, the article is called The Infinite Value of Christ's Death. And it goes like this. This death of God's Son is the only and entirely complete sacrifice and satisfaction for sins It is of infinite value and worth, more than sufficient to atone for the sins of the whole world. So we have a we have a glorious message of Jesus, Lord, Savior, King, died in the place of sinners. And then that same Reformed Confession, 16, 18, 19, says this. Moreover, it is the promise of the gospel that whoever believes in Christ crucified shall not perish but have eternal life. This promise, together with the command to repent and believe, ought to be announced. And declared without differentiation uh, or discrimination to all nations and people to whom God in his good pleasure sends the gospel. Another translation of the Canons of Dort says, the gospel should be preached promiscuously. That is, everywhere, anywhere, to all whom God is pleased to send the gospel. Sowing Scattering the seed. The sower sows the seed. That's so important, friends, because that means there's no sense that Jesus is saying here, you need a different kind of seed. Maybe you need to try a different seed for the path, for the rocky places, for among the thorns, and for the good soil. There's no sense, friends, here that Jesus is saying the reason the seed doesn't take root and develop and prosper and bear fruit in certain cases is because you use the wrong seed and you need to change it up. No, the seed never changes. No different seed for old and young, men and women, black and white, Generation X, Z, Millennial, whatever it is. No, 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 the Bible says. There's one word, one seed that needs to be sown. And it's the word of the kingdom. Jesus, Lord and Savior, has come. And that seed is never going away. Peter put it this way. All flesh, that is you and I, they're like grass. And all its glory, like the flower of grass. The grass withers. 
and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord remains forever. The sower sows the word. So the question is not, uh, there's nothing wrong with the seed. The question is, uh, what kind of ears do you have? First year, verse 4, goes like this. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. And then Jesus interprets that for us in verse 15. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes, takes away the word uh, that is sown in them. Matthew will add, when they hear, they do not understand it. Luke says the seed is trampled underfoot. And Satan comes and snatches it away. There's a hearing of the word of God that barely gets started and the word is gone before you get out the door. This is called in the scripture a hard heart. The truth doesn't penetrate. This is the kind of hearing that happens when you attend worship, listen to a sermon, get in the car to go home. Friend calls on the phone as you're driving home, asks, oh, what was the sermon about this morning? You say, I have no idea. And it's five minutes later, after you've left. In one ear, out the other. It's the experience some of us have when listening to our doctor. You ever have this when you go to your doctor? He's talking, he's talking, he's talking, you're not understanding. Uh, You're just kind of waiting for him to end. I I I know you're not able to meditate. He's using words you don't understand. You're just glad to go home. And someone asks, well, what did the doctor say? Well, I'm not quite sure. Um... This is what we could call the cotton candy view of Scripture. You close your mouth on cotton candy, and it literally dissolves and disappears. J.C. Ryle, uh, Reformed Anglican in the late 19th century, said this, There are myriads of professing Christians in this state of soul. There's hardly a church or chapel where scores of them are not to be found. Sunday after Sunday, they allow the devil to catch away the good seed that is sown on the face of their hearts. Week after week, they live on without faith or fear or knowledge or grace. Feeling nothing, caring nothing, taking no more interest in religion than if Christ had never died on the cross at all. And in this state they often die and are buried and are lost forever. This is a mournful picture, says Ryle. But only too true. Don't miss this about this kind of hearing. Satan doesn't want you here. Satan doesn't want you in church, and he certainly doesn't want you hearing the word of God, and he certainly doesn't want you leaving the building with that word in your heart. He wants to snatch it away as quickly as possible, whether it's through your phone, whether it's through the ceiling tiles, uh, whether it's through dimming lights, uh, whether it's through an imperfect pastor, whatever it is. He wants to take it away as soon as possible. Before you can ever have it sink Within. There's a second kind of hearing. Jesus describes, verse 5, Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. When the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, uh, it withered away. Verse 16, And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. 
the second ear that hears the word. They think they have the word, the true spiritual faith and joy, but they have no root. There is no depth, the Bible says, to sustain them in time of trial. Their faith is a, it's a superficial uh, enthusiasm that is real only for fair weather days. Uh, this is the kind of hearing that is the, the Christian, uh, a Christian is uh, a Christian for sunny days and full bank accounts and perfect health and no problem and no responsibility and no accountability uh, and no difficulty. This is the sunny days Christian. And so when the trial comes, when the sun comes out and there's persecution or tribulation, when it actually costs something to be a Christian, they fall, Jesus says, away. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who wrote Cost of Discipleship, helps us here. Who is this person, he writes, who falls away in time of trial? Like many professing Christians who followed in line with Hitler's program rather than stand up for Christ. How could that be, right? A huge amount of professing Christians in Hitler's Germany just went along. Bonhoeffer spoke of their belief in cheap grace. This is what he said. Cheap grace means grace sold on the market like cheap jacks wares. The sacraments, the forgiveness of sin, the consolations of religion are thrown away at cut prices. Grace is represented as the church's inexhaustible treasury from which she showers blessing with generous hands without asking questions or fixing limits. Grace without price, grace without cost. The essence of grace, we suppose, is that the account has been paid in advance and because it's been paid, everything can be had for nothing. Since the cost was infinite, the possibilities of using and spending it are infinite. What would grace be if it were not cheap? Cheap grace, says Bonhoeffer, is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. And at the first sign of trouble or trial or commitment or accountability, it's time to look for a new church. Or to give up my profession of faith altogether. Whenever there's a little squeeze. When I'm challenged in my faith. Whenever that comes, I'll just, I just, I fall away. This ear falls away. It has no root, said Jesus. The third type of hearing is in verse 7. This looks more promising. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up. Uh, and choked it, and it yielded no grain. I mean, it, it, it gets in the ground, other, and, 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 and so it, it, it has some growth. It comes up, but, but it is choked. Well, what does this mean? Well, Jesus explains it for us in verse 18. Others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And it proves uh, unfruitful. This type of hearing is hearing the word, but when the cares and riches and desires, Jesus says, for other things, the other things of life come, uh, they're deceived. Remember, he talks about the deceitfulness of riches, so don't think you're doing better. You're actually being deceived, uh, but they're deceived. And the word, the Bible says, is choked. It's actually, it could be translated that the word is, is, is throttled. And they fail to bear fruit. There's no life there for good seed to grow You also need weed killer. Here's three giant weeds. Thorns that grow to choke the word. 
that we hear. They think they have the word, but it's as if Jesus says their other loves and cares and concerns have wrapped their hands around the throat of the word that is the reign and rule of Jesus and his kingdom. And and those other concerns wrap their hands around the throat of that word of the kingdom uh, and uh, put it to death. So that it falls dead on the floor of our life or lays unopened on the shelves or coffee tables of our homes as good as dead. Have you ever heard of dead orthodoxy? This is what it is. You can know the truth. We are, after all, called the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. But being orthodox and knowing the doctrine is not the same as having that doctrine make its way from your head to your heart and into your, your life. Instead of the word of the kingdom gripping your heart so that you bear fruit to the glory of God, the word of the kingdom is gripped by our own sinful desires and it's, it's choked. It falls like a corpse on the floor. If you were to put your hands around my neck and choke me, uh, how well could I preach to you? you know? How well could I sing if you had... Not very well. In fact, I think I just hurt myself. I couldn't speak. Neither does a choked word in your life. If there are so many other things in your life that are, that are putting to death the word of life, the word of the kingdom, the word of Jesus. Forgiveness and sanctification and salvation. Transformation. All those other things are, are killing the word. Peter warned of this danger in 2 Peter 1 when he tells us not to be overwhelmed, uh, overwhelmed by our own Sin, but to be overwhelmed by the grace of God to us in Jesus, add to our faith virtue and knowledge, self-control, godliness, brotherly affection, love. And then he says this, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, you can have knowledge of Jesus Christ, but without fruit, just like you can have a profession of faith without works. You can have the word, uh, but bear no fruit. You can hear the word of the kingdom, but be far from the kingdom. You can have the word of God, but it's been murdered, strangled in your life, and lays dead on the floor like the young rich man who went away sorrowful from Jesus. Right? He was right there. Jesus was right there. But that young and rich young man went away strangled by his riches. For those he could not give up for Jesus. There's no fruit. But these three all heard the word. And they all had the word. It's important. These are, this passage is not talking about pagans in Africa who've never seen a missionary. These are not natives in Mongolia who've never heard the gospel. There are those who've heard the word of the kingdom, been exposed to Christianity. These are folks who've grown up in a Christian home. They've gone to a Christian school. They've had Christian friends like many of us. 
but have never understood the word, have never had that word take root in their heart down deep. They have allowed the word, they have heard, to be overtaken by other loves and desires and passions of the world and wealth and whatever else. uh, And it's crowded out the word, so they can't have that word heard. They have ears, but do not hear. But they're all these folks within the church. And then, of course, there is the fourth kind of hearing. Verse 8, and other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain. You can eat that. Growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, and a 100-fold. Completely out of proportion, Jesus is saying, to what has been sown. Now, like the rest, they hear the same word of the kingdom. She, too, hears of the king, the call to repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus is here. He's the Lord and Savior, full of compassion, full of mercy, has all authority, uh, all the power. And he comes to reign. He, too, hears the word of Jesus. But he and she, they understand it. That is, the Lord takes the seed, roots it in his or her mind and heart. Remember 1 Corinthians 3. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, uh, but God gave the growth. God gives the growth in the hearts of these hearers. You understand how just and merciful God is. That he punishes sin, but he punishes your sin in Christ. You understand this life is not about building your own kingdom, but it's about seeking first The kingdom of God and His righteousness. You find forgiveness and peace. And you bear, Jesus says, you bear and bring forth much fruit. This is a great harvest from such hearing of the word of the kingdom. It goes deep into your mind and heart and will. And you see fruit in your own life. You see fruit in your marriage. You see fruit in your family. You see fruit in your relationships. You see fruit in your speech. And you see fruit in your living. And you see fruit in your witness. You're becoming slowly, ever so slowly, but slowly, more like unto the Lord Jesus himself. This gospel, Paul says to the Colossian church in Colossians 1, is bearing fruit all over the world. As the word of the kingdom sinks deep into this soil. This kind of hearing, friends, this kind of ear understands who God is. This kind of ear does not shrink back in the time of trial and persecution. This kind of ear does not allow the sinful desires of the world, the flesh and the devil, to get their hands around the word to choke it out and stop it from speaking, but instead gives that word free space to sing out clearly in our lives. Oh, friends, this is the kind of hearing we want. This is the kind of hearing we long for, we pray for, for ourselves, for our children, for the church, for our families, for our neighbors. Hearing is a high calling. It does not come naturally. And Jesus calls us this morning to consider how we listen to his word today, verse 9. And he said, he who has ears to hear... Let him hear. Allow that 
word of the kingdom, the word of Jesus, of his truth, his authority, his power, his compassion, his mercy, uh, to sink down deep into your heart, into your life. And Jesus promises uh, when that happens, uh, it will bear much fruit. Dear friends, may we hear this word. And if we ever get discouraged to think somehow that, um, you know, that seed will only fall on rocky places, only fall among thorns, uh, only fall on uh, hard paths where Satan comes and steals it away. Well, then, of course, we have God's promise, don't we? Of Isaiah 55. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower. And bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. May it be so. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, how we need the work of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as we are brought face to face again in this gospel with the Lord Jesus and with truth itself, oh Lord, you're calling us this morning to take care how we hear as we come to worship perhaps, Lord, every Lord's Day. Lord, to hear the gospel. And yet, Lord, perhaps we've allowed that word to be taken out of our minds even as we leave the building. Perhaps, Lord, there's been... been the cares and concerns that, that have choked out the opportunity for us to spend in your word. And, Lord, we're pursuing other things that will not lead to life. And, Lord, perhaps there's been tribulation that's come or trials. And, Lord, we haven't dug our roots deep into your word so that we are firmly planted when times of trial and tribulation come. So, oh, Lord, we pray uh, that you would... Uh, uh, tear up the, the soil of our heart, that you would plant that seed deep within us of your word, this word of the kingdom, the word of Jesus. And Lord, that we ourselves here today who hear this word might go forth then to bring forth much, much fruit to your eternal glory and for our eternal good. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.